point of the game. When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get. Don't you ever talk about me. Yeah, uh, that guy, he's going to the 49ers. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today is Monday, March 12th. And oh, it's a God, it's a good morning. It's 7.30 in the morning. I have... I got home from my baseball game last night that I worked. I slept for eight hours, so I got I got home around two. Slept for a long time. Got up at midnight. Started prepping the podcast. I've been up all night. I'm excited to record this. I'm going to record it, get it out, and then drive home from my college town and visit my family. I'm really, really excited, and uh, I, I really uh, this is going to be a great podcast. We have a lot. You know the big story today. It's going to be fun. We're going to talk about that, and uh, I want to start with this. I don't play video games very often, but when I do, I play a game called Fortnite. Fortnite has, there's a hundred people on an island and the last person or group of people standing wins. Now I use a submachine gun in this game. It takes a certain type of ammo. None of my friends use this gun. They make fun of me for it. They're like, we don't use that dumb gun. I do. So I often ask my friends, Hey, do you have any submachine gun ammo? And then my friends say, sure we do. We'll give you what you need. And they give me what I need. So what I want to know is, is that what happened in San Francisco this last weekend? Did the 49ers call up to Seattle and say, hey, we need a corner. Do you have one? And Seattle said, yeah, sure. We'll just give you Richard Sherman. Is that, is that what happened? Like, seriously, what, what in the world? It, it's so crazy the mismanagement that went on for the Seattle Seahawks. I, I am <laughs> uh, the general manager for the Seahawks, John Schneider. It's appalling. I can't believe it. I, I, it's so unbelievably terrible management. It's great for the 49ers. I don't know what the Seahawks are thinking. Um, and not, not getting rid of Richard Sherman. That's not, I, I, I liked getting rid of Richard Sherman. I thought that was the right move. But when the Chiefs traded Alex Smith, the Kansas City Chiefs traded away their former starting quarterback. They turned down offers from the Denver Broncos. They did not want to give Alex Smith to their division rival, the Denver Broncos. In fact, the Kansas City Chiefs wouldn't even trade Alex Smith to the Cleveland Browns, who are in the AFC. They wanted to get him far, far away. Not only did the Seahawks not try to get value for Richard Sherman, but they, they could have at least traded him to Buffalo. They could have made it so they don't have to play him two times a year every single year. Uh, Richard Sherman is on the 49ers. And, oh, whoo, I, I, I love it. I, I do. I love drama. I know I grew up in Washington. Um, but, man, you know, the Seahawks and 49ers just gets even better. Another storyline to this fantastic rivalry. I am so, so excited. Um, I, I really am. I know that's a weird standpoint, but I, I, I'm pumped. I mean, remember when James Harrison went from the Pittsburgh Steelers to the New England Patriots? Everybody was angry. This is so much bigger. It's they like they made a deal with the devil. It's crazy. I, I I am I am oh man, I'm elated. I really am. Now I want you to notice though how quickly Richard Sherman signed a contract with the San Francisco 49ers. We know I, I'm I'm certain Richard Sherman had options. Minute he got the deal, he signed with the 49ers. I don't know if it was the money or if it was the team or both, but man, Richard Sherman signed a three-year, $39 million deal with the San Francisco 49ers. Again, I'm sure he had other offers, but he wanted to stick it to the Seahawks. I mean, he made it very clear. I want to go to a contender, and he said, man, this action is clear to me, showing I want to stick it to the Seattle Seahawks. Man, if I'm a 49er fan, I'm excited. Um, and I also, you should be patient. I believe 49ers fans should be patient with Richard Sherman. Remember, this guy's coming off an injury, a, a significant injury, a, a season-ending injury. And Darrell Revis, when he got injured in a similar fashion, he took a year to get back in tip-top shape. So Richard Sherman, he might not immediately make a huge impact. 
but he is a great addition to the 49ers. Richard Sherman can still play fantastic football. And not only can he play, again, it might take a, a little bit for him to get back in rhythm, but he's also a good locker room leader. I think it was a good move to get him out of the toxic Seattle Seahawks locker room. I don't think it was working in Seattle. You needed to remove him from that situation. But Richard Sherman's ego is not a problem. Look, the guy has won before and he demands a lot from his teammates, which is actually a good thing if you're the San Francisco 49ers. If you're a young upstart team, you want a veteran guy who's been there before. Richard Sherman has won a Super Bowl, played in two. And he will expect a lot from his teammates, which is actually a good thing. Jimmy Garoppolo is the clear leader in that locker room. He's the guy. Richard Sherman is coming into a situation that is not his. And I believe that is kind of a formula for good success. I think getting Richard Sherman in, veteran leadership, he can really help the San Francisco 49ers. I want you guys to look at this. This, to me, is hilarious. Well, I'm the best corner in the game. When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get. Don't you ever talk about me. I can't, I, that guy's going to San Francisco. I can't believe it. It's hilarious to me. Of course, remember, that clip was taken right after Richard Sherman had knocked the 49ers out of the playoffs in the NFC Championship game. That's just, it couldn't be better. It could not be a better story if I wrote it myself. Richard Sherman is a fantastic match for the 49ers. It's, it's a great move. It's good for Richard Sherman. It's good for the 49ers. And my goodness, I, I love it. I, I could not be happier with that decision. I think Richard Sherman fits in very, very nicely in San Francisco. We have a great podcast today. I'm, 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 I'm jacked up. I'm excited. I may be talking too fast. I don't know. But I just am I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to go home when this is done. And uh, I, I am really, really excited. I love this podcast. This is a great one I've prepared. I want to point this out. I, I filmed baseball all weekend. I got a gig this weekend working at college baseball games. I got to say... Mascots make me so, so uncomfortable. We treat the guy in the costume like he's a child or an animal. Like Washington State, I go to Washington State University. Our mascot is called Butch the Cougar. People like call him like a dog. Here, Butch, come here, Butch. And like, you realize there's a 22-year-old guy presumably named Jim or something inside that mascot. It just, <laughs> mascots creep me out. I don't know how to, how to because they're not a child. And they're not, I can't call him Jim, so I don't, not that his name is, I don't know his name, but I, I don't know how to interact with a mascot. It's a, it's a weird relationship, and filming a mascot is somewhat uncomfortable to me, I've found. Um, we have a great show today. The huge uh, story to me, so LeBron James is a big story today. I'm sure everyone will talk about LeBron James to the Lakers, because um, I, I think last night it was reinforced. Now, the more pressing topic to me, the more interesting topic is there is a huge issue in Seattle, not with their personnel, with the, yeah, yes, there's a huge culture issue in Seattle. There's a problem with the culture of the Seattle Seahawks organization. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk more about the Cleveland Browns. What should they do? Everyone seems to have an opinion. I have mine. I'm going to share mine, what I would do with the Browns draft picks. Did Kirk Cousins earn a huge contract? So what I believe we are going to see this week is Kirk Cousins will sign a huge contract. Did he earn it? Should he be offered the money he's been offered? He's been offered five years, $150 million to join the Jets. We'll talk about that. That's going to be interesting. Tiger Woods, I guess, did something. I've never talked about Tiger Woods before. Uh, I'm not going to really talk about the weekend. I'm going to share my overview thoughts about Tiger Woods. I was asked about it. I think it's interesting. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube. You can also find my best, most interesting clips on YouTube. Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. If you love this podcast as much as I do, tell your friends about it. Share it with your friends. Help me grow on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, whatever it is. Share a link to Strong Opinion Sports with your friends. I gotta say... All morning, I've been up all night, all morning, there was construction, like three in the morning they started construction. The minute I started recording this podcast, construction gone. You notice that? 
That's awesome. That makes me happy. That means it's like the, the, the podcast gods are listening to me saying, oh, Zach's starting a podcast. Shh. Better be quiet. Oh, no, they're still going. Yeah, I can. You probably can't hear them. I can hear them. It's annoying as I'll get out. I want to start with this. Uh, I know I already said that. We'll do it again. I want to say that I, I believe LeBron James is going to the Los Angeles Lakers. That's not a unique opinion, but it is what I believe. LeBron going to L.A. is what makes sense to me. Look, first of all, the Lakers have two slots open for max contracts, which means they can get LeBron James and Paul George. And Paul George has said repeatedly that he wants to go to L.A. Paul George is from L.A. And again, his current team, the Oklahoma City Thunder, are struggling. They're not... It's a mess. It's not looking good for them. Not to mention, LeBron James has roots in Los Angeles. He's got a house there. He's got friends there. He wants to be part of the entertainment industry. Have you ever seen the movie Trainwreck? It's got Bill Hader. It's by Judd Apatow. I liked it. It was fun. LeBron James was awesome in it. I could see LeBron James furthering his career in the entertainment industry. He's actually got great comedic timing. He's funny. I like him. I believe LeBron James is going to Los Angeles. And frankly, LeBron James does not owe Cleveland anything. He's already come home once. He gave them a championship, their first championship. So people of Cleveland are forever indebted to LeBron James. LeBron doesn't owe Cleveland anything. He's given them the world. And I'm I'm sure most shows are talking about LeBron James going to the Lakers. I'm sure most people are even starting their shows with that. I thought Richard Sherman is more pressing news, but LeBron James, it's a big deal. And last night, here's why everyone will be talking about LeBron James to the Lakers. Last night, the LA Lakers trounced LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Lakers pounded the Cavs into the ground. I I, I don't know the final score. I, I, I wish I wrote it down. I did not. I know that Julius Randle had 36 points and it was like, It was a big statement for the Lakers. The Lakers are the other piece of the puzzle. I talked about everything that would bring LeBron to LA, but you got to also factor in the Lakers need to be in a position to take LeBron James. And, you know, to get LeBron, the Lakers have needed to show promise. And they have. Their young guys look fantastic. I, I didn't expect Julius Randle to put up 36 But we've seen Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball has proved he's not a bust, and he can shoot threes. Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram. The Lakers are building a foundation with young stars, which are perfectly in place for LeBron James to come in and elevate them even farther. We also saw a direct comparison last night. We saw the Lakers, in their current state, are even better than the team LeBron James is on. Mind you, with LeBron James on the roster. That further convinced me LeBron James is going to L.A. Look, I believe if Paul George and LeBron can both end up in Los Angeles, they're, they're one injury, Steph Curry injury away from competing for a championship. I actually believe that. I think, I, I, I said last week on the podcast, LeBron will outlast the Golden State Warriors. Eventually, something will happen. They're going to get angry. They're going to get tired of their success and stop working as hard. Or someone will get injured. The Warriors will implode. LeBron James will still be around, and he will swoop in and win championships again. I I am betting that the Golden State Warriors will implode. And sooner than you think, it's going to be one of those sudden changes that happens overnight, and suddenly the Warriors, as we know it, will be over. When the Warriors go away, LeBron James will swoop in and win more championships. My money is on Los Angeles. I believe LeBron James is going to do that whole process in the city of Los Angeles, playing for the Lakers. Oh, man. Oh, man. There is, there is a massive Massive problem in the city of Seattle. 
three years in a row now. Yes, I do three this way. I don't know why. Three years in a row now, I've been screaming that the Seahawks need to improve their offensive line. Three years and nothing to show for it. No fix. Nothing has changed. And as a result of not changing, there, an alarming culture has been created in Seattle that will cost Russell Wilson years off of the end of his career. So Tom Brady's still playing football at a very high level, might I add, at 40 years old. Why? Why is Tom Brady able to play at 40 years old? Of of course, Tom Brady takes care of his body. That's a part of it, right? The other part of it is Tom Brady doesn't get hit very much. And when Tom Brady is hit, it is a huge deal. It's a a big problem. When Tom Brady gets hit, (gasps) everyone turns their head. They, (gasps) oh no. When Tom Brady's hit, announcers notice it. Referees notice it. The offensive line is shamed. It's a big deal. The Patriots have a culture where Tom Brady getting hit is a really big deal. And if Tom Brady's hit, that is unacceptable. The offensive line feels shame. Announcers notice it. The refs go, ooh. Even the guys hitting him feel bad. Now in Seattle... Russell Wilson is thrown around like a rag doll. Russell Wilson is nailed repeatedly, thrown into the ground. And everyone watching just goes, oh, you know, that's Russell. That's what happens to Russell Wilson. See, the culture in Seattle is not like the one in New England. Announcers and refs are not bothered when Russell Wilson is knocked to the ground. Linemen don't feel the same guilt. In fact, the Seahawks... Inability to provide an offensive line simply shows that the upper management, the general manager in Seattle, John Schneider, upper management in Seattle is okay with their quarterback getting hit. They are okay with Russell Wilson running for his life. And Russell Wilson does run for his life. The dude gets hit a ton. You know who else gets hit a lot? Andrew Luck. See, the Colts failed to provide Andrew Luck with an offensive line. And if you notice, the guy didn't play at all last year. In fact, Andrew Luck was hurt over a year and a half ago, and he's still barely throwing. Andrew Luck, you know what Andrew Luck's not going to do? Andrew Luck is not going to play until he's 40 years old. Because years have been taken off of the end of Andrew Luck's career. Because of his injuries. Because of him getting hit. And the same thing is happening to Russell Wilson. Like, I'm not calling for the Seattle Seahawks general manager, John Schneider, to be fired. I don't do that. I'm not in that business. My dad was fired once. Hurt our family. I I, I just will never be the guy who calls for someone's job. There are real people on the other side of this. But what I am saying is John Schneider needs to be held responsible. If you want the Seahawks to have a better offensive line, you need to demand it. John Snyder is failing Russell Wilson. And he's hurting Russell Wilson's career, which therefore hurts the Seattle Seahawks organization in the process. Russell Wilson does not have an offensive line. And steps have not been taken to improve the Seattle Seahawks offensive line. This will shorten Russell Wilson's career. It's unacceptable. I've been saying it for years now. It is time to provide Russell Wilson with some help. And if you don't, it's because you don't care. I, 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 how, do you, how do you go three years in a row? If my dad, my old stupid dad, I love my dad. My dad does not know football. If my dad knows what the Seattle Seahawks problem is, that's very alarming. Because apparently my dad knows what's wrong with the Seahawks. But John Schneider cannot fix the problem and doesn't apparently know that that's a big deal for the Seahawks. That's not good. That's no good. The Seattle Seahawks need to give Russell Wilson some kind of support from the offensive line. They need to give him support. They need to help him. Otherwise, Russell Wilson's career will be significantly shortened by injuries and from getting hit repeatedly. 
By the way, this is the last podcast I'm doing until Saturday. I'm taking Wednesday off. I'm leaving after this podcast. I'm uploading it and going home. I'm going home for spring break. And I'm moving Friday's podcast to Saturday. I thought I'd let you guys know. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports. Please share this with your friends. I want to talk about the Cleveland Browns. Again, everybody has some kind of opinion as to what the Cleveland Browns should do. Here's mine. Here's what I believe the Cleveland Browns should do. Drink some water first. What are the Cleveland Browns trying to do? And what's a realistic goal? What's a realistic expectation next year for the Cleveland Browns? My question is this. Have you ever started a fire? The first thing you do when you start a fire is you get kindling and you light a spark. Right now, the Cleveland Browns are a wet log. There's nowhere to spark. There's nothing. There's nothing happening in Cleveland. Try starting a fire on a wet log. It doesn't happen. See, a realistic expectation or goal next year for the Cleveland Browns is five wins. Five wins. I would shoot for five wins if I'm the Browns. Are they going to make the playoffs? No. I I am almost certain. I won't 100% guarantee it, but I'm almost certain Cleveland Browns will not be in the playoffs next year. What are they trying to do? They're trying to light a spark. They're trying to build a small foundation, get some kindling together, begin the process of lighting a bonfire in Cleveland. You need to build a foundation. So how do you build an NFL team? My philosophy has always been, and I I believe it's pretty clear, you get a quarterback, and then you build your defense. I'm still getting so many comments on YouTube with people saying, The Cleveland Browns need to draft Saquon Barkley with the number one overall pick. (sighs) Man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. No. Hey, angry Browns fan. No. 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 I also get comments that say, you know, the Browns passed on Odell Beckham Jr., Julio Jones, Ezekiel Elliott. No. As if drafting some skill players. As if that's what's going to make you win games. Again, quarterback and defense. The Browns haven't had a quarterback in like 15 years. And that guy was awful. Since the reboot of the Cleveland Browns. Since they were brought back in the expansion era. We have not seen the Cleveland Browns have a franchise quarterback. Not once. Not once. Tim Couch is like the longest tenured quarterback. He was there for like three years. That's awful. Awful. And what's most shocking to me, what what really just, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with this fight. Like I keep, I keep every single episode. I feel like I say the exact same thing and I'm just like, dude, it's a battle. I'm not going to win with you guys. Some people are so set in their mindsets. You simply can't change your mind. You can just keep, I keep trying to say the most interesting thing I can. What's most shocking to me is that people are saying the Cleveland Browns need to wait and draft a quarterback later in the NFL draft. (laughs) Are are people trolling me? Is is that what we're we're at? Are people leaving comments as jokes to make fun of me? Or like, I don't know. Look, I have no problem with people making mistakes. Honestly, I have no problem. But if you make a mistake, you have to learn from it. What I hate... What I hate, not um, not more than anything, but really, really hate. I hate when people make mistakes and they do not learn from them. Here are some facts. The Browns waited and drafted these quarterbacks. These are the quarterbacks the Browns have drafted in the later parts of the NFL draft just recently. How about uh, Brady Quinn? Brandon Whedon? Johnny Manziel, all, all, all of those guys were not early in the first round. They were actually the 22nd overall pick. How about Deshaun Kaiser, a second round draft pick? Did he work out? No, he didn't work out. They all failed. You want some more facts? How about Reggie Bush? Reggie Bush, the number two overall pick 
never lived up to the hype disappointment. Or or maybe maybe you need a you need a Cleveland comparison. How about the time that the Cleveland Browns selected Trent Richardson? How about the time the Cleveland Browns selected Trent Richardson with the number three overall pick? Absolute bust. 100% he was a bust. Yeah, no, no. How about, how about you learn from the past? How about you look at what's happened in the past and not repeat the same mistakes over and over again? Drafting a running back in the top five doesn't work. Drafting a quarterback late in the draft doesn't work. Over and over and over. You think you can predict Kirk Cousins? Think you can predict Russell Wilson, Tom Brady? No. No. People that are, he comments like, the Browns need to draft a quarterback in the third round. What? What? No. 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 Pick a quarterback number one overall. Pick the guy you'll fall in love with. Pick the guy you want. They're, the Browns are in interview rooms. They know what guy they want. My pick is Sam Darnold. Maybe they love Baker Mayfield. Maybe they love Josh. I don't really care. There's a guy they love. He's the priority. Pick a quarterback number one. Then use your number four pick on Minka Fitzpatrick or Bradley Chubb. Build your defense. Get your quarterback and build your defense. Defense wins. Learn from the past. Eagles, the Jaguars, the Vikings, the Denver Broncos won the Super Bowl. The Seattle Seahawks won the Super Bowl. Defense with stability at quarterback not only wins games, it wins championships. Look, if the Browns want a running back, awesome. That's what you use your later first round draft. That's what what you use your later picks with. Later in the draft, second round, third round, fourth round, Ronald Jones is available from USC. Carrion Johnson from Auburn. Kevin Balazs, Arizona State. Mark Walton, Rashad Penny. Tons of quality running backs in this year's NFL draft. They might not all be the same athlete that Saquon Barkley is, but they're a lot cheaper. And you can get like three of them. Get like three people that add up to better than Saquon Barkley because most teams have multiple running backs. That's how you win. That's how the Patriots win. Even the Eagles had multiple running backs. The, the day where we see a team with one running back that runs for a bazillion yards, that, that's few and far between and honestly hasn't happened. The league is changing. Running backs are not as valuable as they once were. I'm not, I'm not using my number one overall pick on Saquon Barkley. I simply do not believe a running back should be the number one priority for the Cleveland Browns. I just don't buy it. Running backs are like fireworks. They shine really bright very briefly. Running backs, by the way, have very short careers. Saquon Barkley will be a star. I I have no doubt. Wherever Saquon Barkley goes, he will be a star. Maybe because he goes to a team that has a good offensive line and a quarterback. Maybe. But the Browns need to build a foundation. Like a fire. Get some fire starter, some kindling. Don't, Don't ever forget Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley, the running back who was runner up in the MVP race this year. Tom Brady was the MVP. Todd Gurley was number two. Todd Gurley can run. He can catch. He's fantastic. He's got a very similar skill set to Saquon Barkley. Never forget, before the Rams got a quarterback, before the Rams got a great coach and a veteran free agent offensive lineman, never forget, Todd Gurley wasn't the same. What the Browns need is a quarterback, an offensive line, and a defense. Saquon Barkley will not have the same impact if he goes to Cleveland. I'm so tired. I'm so, so tired of making this argument. Get a quarterback, build your defense. Saquon Barkley, he's great. He's explosive. He's awesome. The Browns don't need him. They do not have a use for him. Might make you angry. Hey, angry Browns fan, I don't care. I'm so I'm so tired of making that point. I'm so tired of defending my man, man. I think most people are reasonable. I really do. I think there's a couple people that watch and comment, and I think those are I think the small minority of people that comment are actually the people that believe that the Browns should draft Saquon Barkley and not a quarterback. I just I don't know. 
You know what my favorite thing about the NFL is? Every single day, every single day, you have to earn your place. No contracts are guaranteed. You must deliver. Unless, of course, unless you're Kirk Cousins. Then you get the benefit of the doubt forever, apparently. See, one of my favorite stories going into last year's NFL football season. I was so excited to watch Kirk Cousins. I knew that if Kirk Cousins just absolutely balled out, had a great year, I knew he could have a chance to earn himself a huge contract if and only if Kirk Cousins had a great season and knocked it out of the park. But then when Kirk Cousins came out, he had a you know above average season, a good season, not bad at all, but not incredible. The Redskins went 7-9, and nine, missed the playoffs. Kirk Cousins threw for 4,000 4, yards, 27 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, had a 64% completion percentage. Look, not bad numbers, above average. But Kirk Cousins has been offered a five-year deal worth $150 million with the New York Jets. And later this week, Kirk Cousins will sign a huge contract he does not deserve. I love Kirk Cousins. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks. I was one of the few people that said, hey, this guy in college, I like him. He's going to be good in the NFL. Watch. And he was. Look, I'm rooting for Kirk Cousins the same way you root for the little engine that could. Everybody wants Kirk Cousins to be successful. Everybody does. We all like him. But Kirk Cousins should not be the highest paid quarterback in the entire NFL. He should not. He doesn't deserve it. He doesn't. First of all, forget statistics. The Redskins went 7-9. and nine. Kirk Cousins did not lift them very far. They, In fact, the Redskins loved their quarterback so much, they decided to replace him with Alex Smith. It's alarming. It's weird. You don't see Derek Carr getting replaced. You don't see really any. There's I can't think of a single quarterback in the league that that would happen to. Let's look at his statistics. So Matthew Stafford had more yards, more touchdowns, less interceptions, and a better completion percentage. Drew Brees, a 72% completion percentage. More yards, fewer touchdowns, but also fewer interceptions. Big Ben had better stats. Tom Brady had better stats. Russell Wilson had better stats. The list goes on and on and on. Kirk Cousins' stats are mostly comparable to Matt Ryan last season. Oh, except Matt Ryan actually made the playoffs. Kirk does not deserve to be the highest paid quarterback in NFL history. He doesn't. It's plain and simple. When he went to the playoffs one time, he didn't win. His stats are in the upper middle class. They're, they're good, not bad. They're above average, certainly. But Kirk Cousins is going to be overpaid. And I do, I, I don't approve. I do not like it. I would not pay Kirk Cousins the money. Ah, maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't. Maybe the Jets should. I don't know. But I know that he didn't earn the contract. I want to live in a world that rewards what you do. I, I, if you deliver, I want you to get paid. Kirk didn't deliver. He didn't do what we all thought he would. I was sitting here waiting. Man, if he kills it, he's going to get a huge contract. Then you look, he didn't kill it. He didn't really earn that contract. And I just, I, I believe Kirk Cousins will be grossly overpaid. <clears throat> I have a belief in my heart. A, a belief I, I just, I really, really strongly believe you must Take risks if you want to succeed at the top. If you want to meet, be the best in your career, you have to take risks. Like, how many guys do you know that have settled and are now billionaires? You can't name one. It's never happened. The Rams are not playing it safe. The Rams are going all out. They got Marcus Peters. Marcus Peters has had issues. He's going to be really expensive. The Rams went out and they traded for him. They said, no, we want him. 
because Marcus Peters is incredibly talented. Rams said, we'll take him. We'll take a risk. We're going to go get Marcus Peters. And then the Rams went out and got Aqib Tlaib. Aqib Tlaib is 32 years old. Aging. Expensive. And yet the Rams said, no, we want him. We want to win. See, some people have it written that the Rams are being too risky. I'm like, really? I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't believe that's true at all. I think the Rams are doing everything they have to to go win a Super Bowl. The Rams won a Super Bowl, and they are going for it. See, growing up, my family played a game called Rook. Uh, you know, before my brother died, before my parents got divorced, um, we played a game called Rook. It was a ton of fun. And at the beginning of the game, you can make a call that basically says, my cards are so good, I will win every single hand of this game. It's called shooting for the moon. You say, I'm shooting for the moon, 200, I'm going to win every single hand. And it's risky. Because if you lose even one hand, you lose the entire game. Now, growing up, my dad did that a few times. It was really impressive. The Rams are shooting for the moon. And I love it. I, I, I think it's fantastic. I think it's the right thing to do. And Now, look at the Rams. The Rams are going all out, taking risks, making trades, wheeling and dealing, gathering people. Now, in contrast, look at the Green Bay Packers. They've made one trade this offseason. They traded a starting corner for a backup quarterback. Why would you do that? I don't know. I have no, I have no idea. And the Packers are hoarding draft picks. They have 12 of them. What? Hmm. Are they going to help Aaron Rodgers win? Oh, they're not? Oh, no, they're not. Oh, so you have, you have the, maybe the best quarterback of all time. Like, arguably, if nothing else, the most talented quarterback of all time. And you're not going to go get him help. You're not going to go make trades. You're not going to be aggressive. You're not going to shoot for the moon. You're not going to do anything except settle. And sit at home. Yeah. Nobody's gotten rich that way. And the Packers are not going to win a Super Bowl with their current strategy of let's draft people. What? If, if I'm a Green Bay Packers fan, I am furious. I talked last week about how San Francisco 49ers fans were getting a little bit ahead of themselves. So their expectations were too high. If I'm a Packers fan, the Packers need to raise the expectations. See, I... The benefit of having high expectations is if you do not deliver, there are consequences. And right now, the Packers have the greatest quarterback potentially of all time. And they need to elevate their expectations and demand more. I, I would never, ever, ever coach for the Green Bay Packers. I would not do it. Because the Green Bay Packers cannot draw in free Agents. If I'm a free agent, I'm not going to Green Bay. It's just not happening. No way, Jose. I'm not moving there. And the Packers need to be more aware of that. They they got to make trades. They got to make stuff happen. They have to bring more guys to Green Bay. Because, I'm sorry, 22-year-old dudes are not going to help Aaron Rodgers win. Feels like every single year, Aaron Rodgers is training a new kid how to play football. And it is getting old. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm getting sick of it. And if I'm a Packers fan especially, I am angry. What are the Packers doing? You have Aaron Rodgers. If I'm a Packers fan, I am beating down the door of my general manager saying, hey, go and get us some real pieces and help us actually win. I'm tired of 22-year-old, 23-year-old guys that can't play football yet. Give me some veterans that know how to play. Make trades. Trade all 12 of your picks. You don't get a single pick. Go get someone who can actually help Aaron Rodgers win games next season. He's going into year 13. He only has a couple years left. Quit wasting your time. Maybe, maybe honestly, the Packers gave up on Aaron Rodgers. They said, you know, we're going to go get Deshaun Kaiser, develop him. We're not going to try to win another Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. If I'm a Packers fan, I'm livid. Because there's no team worse than the Green Bay Packers. Without Aaron Rodgers, there's nothing. There is nothing there. What in the world are the Packers doing? <clears throat> so I worked at baseball games all weekend. I was operating a camera. It was just cool. It was fun. Uh, and, and I guess Tiger Woods 
got second in some tournament. I don't really know. I got asked about Tiger Woods yesterday. Uh, and, I, and I shared my opinion on Tiger Woods. I thought it was worth sharing on the podcast. Because I'm not into golf. I don't care. But I do know this about Tiger Woods. I, I do not care about Tiger Woods' personal life. So we saw Tiger Woods. We all know what happened. The divorce, the massive stuff, the, the golf tee through the back of the car. Uh, it's a mess. It was, it, was, it was a really bad situation. And right after that happened, Tiger Woods' career plummeted. And I think it's funny. We all blamed it on the wife and the divorce. Well, growing up, I had an old baseball coach who always talked about golf. He loved golf, and he loved Tiger Woods. He had Tiger Woods hats. He wore Tiger Woods gear. Um, and he, what he would always talk about Tiger Woods was how Tiger Woods' swing was really bad for his back. How Tiger Woods, because of his swing, like I think the word was torque, all the torque on the swing, that was going to hurt Tiger Woods' longevity in golf. And that's exactly what happened. Tiger Woods' swing hurt his back. Tiger Woods' back completely fell apart. And then coincidentally at the same time, he got divorced, had a whole mess happen. Look, I think we, we blame far too much of it on the divorce. The back, his back got hurt. That's what happened. We, all, we, all, we said it would happen for years. Every time my, my, golf, my baseball coach would talk about golf, he'd talk about, you know, eventually Tiger Woods is going to slow down. And then it happened, and we blamed the wife instead of the back. Kind of weird. I think it's both. I think a little bit of both happened. But what I'm not going to do with Tiger Woods, I'm not going to hate Tiger Woods. I'm not going to hate an athlete for cheating on his wife. I just, I'm not into personal life. I know people that have done way worse and I, I just, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not condoning cheating on your wife at all, but it's not a criminal offense. It, it's not, I, I just, like, I don't, I don't care what you do with your personal life. Kobe Bryant, go look up what Kobe Bryant did. It's that way worse. I don't know. I don't know. More than anything to me. Tiger Woods is just a sad story. It's a man who made really dumb decisions, costed himself his family, lost his wife, um, hurt. I'm, I'm sure that hurts your relationship with your kids somehow, um, and and lost his career. And it's really, I just I just feel for Tiger Woods. I'm not I'm, I don't hate the guy. Don't have any animosity. I know people do. I, I don't. I, I again I I don't care what you do in your personal life. And um, I think Tiger Woods. I see the mug shot and I see you know, his, his failure in golf and he lost his wife. And I just see a man that makes me sad just to be honest. All right. Before I end the show uh, and go on spring break, I'm ah, so excited. I'm asleep in my own bed. I I live in a college dorm. It's where I'm at right now. Tiny little bed in the corner. It sucks going somewhere where there's a queen size bed. Can't wait. Um, before I go on spring break, I want to talk about the rookie quarterbacks because there's a little bit left I have to say about them. First off, I want to say this. I believe in Baker Mayfield. I'm doing it right now. I love his attitude. I love his tape. His height doesn't bother me. If you watch Baker Mayfield's film, he doesn't have a lot of passes tipped, which means people are not taking advantage of his height. His height didn't bother him at all in college. It wasn't an issue. I don't know. Height is no concern to me with Baker Mayfield. And Baker Mayfield is the most accurate quarterback in this year's NFL draft. Makes great reads. And honestly, of all the quarterbacks, his tape is the most impressive. Love it, hate it, whatever. His arm strength isn't the most impressive. His, his, his physical gifts are not the most impressive, but ability to play quarterback, Baker Mayfield's the best guy in the draft. I don't, I don't have a lot of depth to this opinion, but I, I'm calling a shot right now. I'm picking Baker Mayfield. I think he will be a successful NFL quarterback. I just do. I, I love Baker Mayfield. I like his attitude. I like his play. I think he's played fantastic. I, I just do. I believe in Baker Mayfield. That, that's honestly all I have to say about Baker Mayfield. But we'll see what happens. I'm calling my shot. I think Baker Mayfield is and will be a successful NFL quarterback. Now, a comment I got recently, I've gotten a lot of people comparing Sam Darnold and Blake Bortles. And I do not, I do not think this is a good comparison. 
Go back and watch Blake Bortles in college. He he throws not a lot of wow. Like Sam Darnold throws some balls. And you're like, whoa, that's an impressive throw. Blake Bortles is like, yeah, it's a good throw. Nothing like wow. Blake Bortles doesn't make you go wow really at all with his arm. The guy ran around a lot, and the problem right now in the NFL with Blake Bortles is Blake Bortles is having mental issues. He's not having. If you watch watch the preseason, Blake Bortles um, missed a bunch of throws. He looked embarrassed, like he's he's going. His body language is like he's going oh all over the place, like looking up and looks exasperated. Blake Bortles' struggles mostly, I think, have come from he has like a case of the yips. Where he's his mind seems like he can't figure it out. Blake Bortles can throw a football. He can read a defense, but then he gets in the game. It's like a batter that can't face a pitcher. It's weird. Uh, and I just I think making a comparison between Blake Bortles and Sam Darnold is somewhat irresponsible. Now, here's a comparison I see with Sam Darnold. I see a lot of Big Ben with an ability to move, not not like run 40 yards, but kind of escape and be slippery. Set your feet and throw a crazy throw downfield. Watch Sam Darnold's tape. He moves around a lot. He gets in uncomfortable body positions and can launch like a 40-yard strike that's perfectly placed downfield. And that's the one thing Sam Darnold has that nobody else in this year's NFL draft has, honestly. You know, Baker Mayfield can set his feet and throw the ball anywhere. Josh Rosen can set his feet, throw the ball anywhere. I mean, Josh Allen can throw anywhere on the run somewhat accurately. Uh, but what Sam Darnold does that no one else does is when the pocket's really messy, there's a ton of pressure in his face. He can make a move, adjustment in the pocket, and throw the ball accurately with ugly foot mechanics, which is, I know a lot of people are alarmed by that. I'm actually encouraged by that because what that means is he can operate in an NFL pocket. Because in the NFL, it's not perfect. It's not clean. You have people in your face. You're getting hit as you throw. And the fact that Sam Darnold is accurate in those situations is encouraging. Because Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma throws a lot with guys, you know, no pressure. His offensive line is fantastic. Sam Darnold's making similar throws, not as often as Baker Mayfield, but making similar throws with guys in his face as he's getting hit. Or he'll run to the left, flip his feet, throw the ball back to the right. That's an impressive trait. And the accuracy with pressure in your face, that's what's encouraging to me about Baker, about Sam Darnold. That's what I love about Sam Darnold the most is what he does and how he deals with a pass rush. It's, it's fantastic. I think his arm's great. And I'm encouraged. I believe in Sam Darnold. And turnovers do not concern me with Sam Darnold. I, I know they concern a lot of people. They don't concern me. Interceptions, turnovers, all that. At USC, Sam Darnold was often overmatched. What that means is his coaching was inadequate. Often play calling wasn't great. And he didn't have a lot of fantastic players around him. Better than Josh Rosen had, but not, not the same players Baker Mayfield played with. So what that meant was Sam Darnold had to take a lot of chances in order to win. He had to be incredibly aggressive. He had to be uber aggressive. And sometimes that cost him. When you're taking risks and throwing the ball all over the place, you're going to lose. When you're trying to run and extend a play because it's third and nine, sometimes you're going to lose. And so when Baker Mayfield had all these turnovers, sorry, Baker Mayfield, I met Sam Darnold. When Sam Darnold had all these turnovers, uh, I think honestly it's because he took risks and was trying to win and trying to elevate a team that wasn't built to win. I, I just, I don't think, I'm not happy with Baker Mayfield's turnovers, not happy with the fumbles, not happy with the interceptions, but sometimes you got to just throw the ball downfield and do what you can. If it's third and nine, you need a first down. And you scramble on your way. If you fumble on the scrambling, I mean, I don't know. I just, I, I'm not as discouraged or worried about Sam Darnold's turnovers the same way everyone else is. If you take 50 shots, you're going to miss some. And I think Sam Darnold takes 50 risks and he's going to have a bad, bad outcome sometimes. I, honestly, I'm not concerned with that. Another comparison I think is interesting in this year's NFL draft is the comparison between Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. See, when Patrick Mahomes came out of Texas Tech, what we said was he's not ready. He needs to wait. But what, what Patrick Mahomes had was just this incredible, unteachable ability to throw the football. And that is what Josh Allen also has. 
Josh Allen does not make a lot of the routine throws. Here's what worries me about Josh Allen. I watch him make some really incredible throws on like on the run, throwing away his left, just chucks it 40 yards downfield. Um, it's like that's like his favorite play, actually. He'll like take the ball, roll it to the right, and throw it 45 yards downfield for a touchdown. That's like really it seemed to be a staple. What concerns me about Josh Allen was his inability to make routine throws. Simple throws, easy throws that every quarterback should make, Josh Allen would miss. Which is something we also saw with Patrick Mahomes. So, Patrick Mahomes goes to the Kansas City Chiefs. He sits for a year. He waits. And a year later, it looks like he's now the Kansas City Chiefs starting quarterback. That's what Josh Allen needs to do. He needs to go somewhere, sit for a year, learn how to play quarterback, get better and more accurate, and then he needs to play. Cause I, I like Josh Allen. People think I hate him. I don't. He's not my number one quarterback, not even my number four quarterback. He's not my number five quarterback in this year's draft. But if you, if you let Josh Allen sit, if you help him, develop him the same way the Chiefs did Patrick Mahomes, I like Josh Allen's chances. I just don't like him starting day one next year in the NFL. Josh Allen needs time to grow. And if you give him time to grow, I think he could be successful. Uh, That's my show. Uh, That's all I have today. Remember, I'm going to take Wednesday off. Friday's podcast, I'm going to record on Saturday. But that's all I have for today's podcast. I hope you liked it. I'm still sick. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice. I've had to stop multiple times and cough. I am still sick, and it drives me nuts. I'm excited to go home. I'm going to sleep for like four days, literally four days straight, play Fortnite and sleep, try to recover, try to get rid of this thing in my throat, fix my throat. Um, I'm very excited. I I love you guys so much, man. We have grown (laughs) unfathomable rates. We're like at 660 right now. We're at 600, I think, like two podcasts ago. It's like, what what in the world? We just keep growing like crazy, and I, I think it's awesome. Hope you guys like my pod. It seems like you guys love what I'm doing. I love you guys. Your comments are awesome. It's a ton of fun. I, th- I think we're building a fun community. I'm going to try to build a Discord, which is a, a, like a, a group chat thing over break. I'm going to build a Facebook group. I want to have a way to engage with you guys even better. And I'd, I only really want to engage with people that like me or have constructive criticism. I hate trying to respond to comments with people who hate me or they're arguing with me. It's just not fun. Um, so I don't try to do it. And I want to have a centralized place where... If you guys like me and want to talk to me and you guys are awesome and want to give me good feed, positive feedback or help, constructive criticism that helps me build my show or you saw a news story you want me to talk about, I want to, I want to do that on the Facebook group or on some kind of uh, a Discord account. I think that'd be fun. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube as well as my best, most interesting clips. If you love strong opinion sports as much as I do, and I love strong opinion sports, it's my absolute favorite thing in the world. If you love strong opinion sports as much as I do, help me out. Help me grow strong opinion sports by telling your friends about this podcast. My name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so very much. I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. I am having the time of my life. I love this podcast. Thank you for watching. Thank you for tuning in. I'll be back on Saturday, and that is all I have for today. But I'm bum. Bam, we're done.